Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the video cast where we teach you how to make an income while traveling the world. And in today's episode, I actually have a very special friend of mine. I've known him for several years now. Um, he's actually from Calgary, Alberta, but I've uh, met him in Vancouver, BC, Canada, where I'm from at several different events. I've actually attended one of his amazing workshops, uh, Sales Mastery, and yeah, we definitely keep in touch through things like social media. Uh, so on today's episode, I have the pleasure of interviewing Doug Vermeeren, all about his speaking career. And for those of you watching, uh, speaking is actually a great way to travel the world and make an income doing so. So looking forward to hearing Doug's insights. Um, so Doug, uh, to start off with, why don't we get to know you a little bit better if you want to share a little bit more about yourself. Excellent. Well, thanks for having me, Ricky. It's really good to be with you. Uh, I've been speaking, I guess, for, uh, I guess it's almost a decade and a half now. So wow, getting crazy. <laughs> yeah, but you know what's funny is I didn't start out with the desire to be a speaker. In fact, I didn't even know that it was possible to do this as a career. Kind of um, how I started out, as you alluded to, uh, with my sales training, I actually started out in sales. And uh, I had taken a summer job in California selling pest control door-to-door. -door. Uh, if you've ever done door-to-door -door sales, it is not easy. It is tough. And so uh, it was estimated that I knocked on approximately 22,000 doors that summer. And remember, I was selling pest control. So I don't know about you, but I don't like people coming to my door to tell me that I've got bugs. So it was a really, really tough job. And it was at about that time that somebody had gifted me a book called Think and Grow Rich, which I'm sure a lot of your, your listeners have have either heard of or read. And so when I read that book, I was really inspired that quite frankly, a lot of what I wanted to do with my life was I had more control over it than I had up until then realized. And that was lesson number one. Lesson number two was, as in the book, Napoleon Hill had interviewed 400 of the world's top achievers. So I started to look for top achievers that I could interview. And by the time I was done, I, you know, even today I'm still interviewing them, but by the time I was done at that period of my life, I'd also interviewed 400 of the world's top achievers that included people like Richard Branson, Donald Trump, although we don't talk about him too much anymore, uh, Oprah Winfrey, Bill Gates, uh, people like this. And so um, I had learned what they uh, basically felt were the keys to success. And so that's kind of what led me to start speaking. People uh, knew I was doing these interviews and so slowly but surely I started getting invited to different community groups and organizations to speak. And this is where it got interesting because again, I had no idea that this could be a career. So uh, as I kind of got bit by the speaking bug, I decided I, I did want to pursue this. And maybe the good news was is I didn't really know a lot of speakers. So I couldn't go to speakers for advice. And thank goodness for that because most speakers today are broke. And when you're asking broke people for advice on how to do things well, they give you the advice that got them the results that they're getting. And so I actually turned to my top achievers that I had just interviewed. And so some of these people, again, you know, among them were the four, one of the four founders of FedEx, the four, former VP of marketing for KFC and American Airlines, uh, the former CEO of Southwest Airlines, uh, one of the former CEOs of Nike and Reebok. So I asked these people, how would you do a speaking career? And so they gave me some very solid advice and in a very short period of about six months, I ended up doing $1.6 million as a speaker and now generally I do about eight, eight figures every year as a speaker. Yeah. <laughs> so that's yeah, a little bit of my background. <laughs> yeah, you know, every, uh, you know, I can just imagine you knocking on doors uh, back in the day and, and now here you are. That's incredible, making eight figures as a speaker. Um, I'd love for you to uh, share more about the interviews because that's something I'm passionate about. I've interviewed about 400 people as well. Uh, at first I interviewed about 100 and 
40, 150 dads, and you were actually one of them. And you interviewed about, about fatherhood uh, about two, three years ago. And then now I'm interviewing, um, you know, digital nomads, world travelers, people who can actually uh, make an income and travel the world. And I've interviewed about 200 of them now. So I'm, 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 I think I'm about 350 total interviews. So uh, it is an amazing way to actually get the insights of other people and really absorb it. Even if no one else listens to any of my interviews, I will have gained a lot. Uh, yeah. So I'm interested in how you got these big names um, yeah. because uh, it's obviously hard um, uh, for bigger names to say yes because they're busy, um, you know, time commitments, etc. So uh, tell us about how you approach them. How did yeah. they say yes? Well, I, I think probably the um, the most important thing that I learned really early on is one of the success interviews that I did um, as I was, you know, learning from him and everything else. He said, "You know what? There's one question you haven't asked me that's going to change everything for you." I said, well, what's that? And he said, you haven't asked me who else I know that you should talk to. And so I began to use that as a standard kind of phrase. And anytime I'd meet with someone, I, I, of course, you have to begin with clarity on your mission, right? You have to know what you're looking for so that they can tell you who might be a good fit for you. And then I would ask that question. And naturally, I would also at times ask for personal introductions. And I'll never forget, I was actually, um, uh, well, this happened multiple times, but uh, I remember one specific time when I was actually out with my family doing, you know, an afternoon at the, at the fun park, just having a good time. And all of a sudden, my phone rang, and it was one of my interviews, who was the former CEO of Fruit of the Loom Underwear. And Bill Farley, he says to me, he goes, are you still doing those interviews, trying to talk to the top successful people and all that stuff? And I said, yes, I am. And he goes, well, here I am in Costa Rica buying a railroad with the president of Quaker Oats. And he put him on immediately with me. So again, it's that question of who else do you know that I should talk to? Keeping those relationships strong so that you can always have them as, as resources and references. In fact, here, here's just a little side note. People say that your network equals your net worth. I'm going to say that's totally true. It is true. But the other thing that your network is, it's a safety net. And so whenever you have problems or questions within your own business, you want to have these people as a resource that you can return to, uh, to, to find those answers. And obviously, the better your network, the better the solutions are in your life too. So I just made sure that everybody in my network, those, those really kind of super top achievers, they always understood the goals that I had and the mission that I had to interview and learn about success. Uh, I might just mention one quick side note uh, as we move on here. There's a lot of personal development people that are out there that basically teach what they've learned by going to someone else's seminars or they teach what they've learned in someone else's books. And I'm going to say that's important. I read generally close between 15 and 20 books every month. So I read a lot. And those of you that follow me on Facebook, you know I post the books that I read. Um, but I also attend a lot of seminars and events too. But here's the problem is if you as a coach or a speaker or a trainer are just teaching what you've read or what you've learned from somebody else, you're essentially giving your students a, a photocopy of a copy of a copy of a copy, right? The real way to get to teach at a high level, the real way to position yourself as an expert is to learn firsthand from people that are doing it. So if you are a speaker or coach, one of the first things I'm going to recommend is you need to, to go out and seek after taught people to learn from directly on a one-on-one -on -one basis. That's going to be the quickest way that you become positioned as an expert and that your information that you're sharing becomes, uh, how should we say, more valuable than anyone else in the industry because you're sharing stuff that you've learned firsthand. No one else has access to that. You're the only one, right? Yeah, it's kind of like Chinese whispers. You know, if you get it from others, then it goes little by little by little and then eventually it's so watered down that it's not even authentic anymore. So, yeah, I definitely cool. agree with you. 
the first hand. Uh, so, uh, you know, you went from these interviews to actually uh, starting out in your speaker career, and now you mentioned you're at like, uh, you know, 10 million plus, uh, eight figures, etc. cetera. Uh, so, I want to I want to go back to the beginning in terms of your speaking career. Um, did you start off with just the free speaking gigs that a lot of speakers start out with, and walk us through those very formi formative years of your speaking career, Doug? Yeah, well, I, I think at the beginning, most speakers probably followed a path like I did, where any time someone said "come and speak," I would put up my hand. You know, I'm I'm the guy. But I quickly learned that there's a difference between a speaking gig and a profitable speaking gig. And uh, I think that's a, that's a big, big difference that, that most speakers right now don't understand. The other problem that most speakers kind of miss out on is they think that there's really only a few possible business models for them. So in other words, it's either get paid a fee to come and speak, that's model number one, or to speak for free and sell something, that's model number two. And there's far more models than that in the speaking business. In fact, some of them are a lot easier to become lucrative and more influential at. In fact, um, at one of our speaker trainings, like I do a program called 12 Essentials of High Profit Speakers that focuses on the business of speaking. And we recently did one of these in London, UK. And we found that there's not two business models. You've got a little friend in the back. You got a friend. You got a friend. <laughs> That's cute. Um, and don't do what that BBC reporter does. <gasps> don't do that. We love family here. That's right. Bring her right in. <laughs> but but here, here's the thing that I learned going back to my point is that when we were there in the UK, we found that there are actually close to about 250 different speaking models for the speaking profession right now. And that does include things like mentorship and coaching and even licensing your own uh, materials to other people. So there's a lot more models out there than, than the speaking business currently recognizes. The other thing too is that I found is that there's typically five uh, different kinds of events that speakers can get involved in. Now, the one that most people uh, are aware of is the, you know, speaking for a fee. But I'm going to tell you that that's, in fact, right now, the one that's on the most decline because of the way that the economy is and the number of speakers that are in the, in the business place today. It is just impossible to, to find, you know, a ton of speaking gigs unless you're a celebrity, uh, an athlete, or a politician. It's just not set up for, for those kinds of groups nowadays. So you've got to be aware of, of, of what the market is doing today for the speaking industry, and most speakers are not. So uh, what, <laughs> next to the five, what are the five? Well, let's give them to you. Okay, so obviously there's the getting paid to speak. Okay, so you're getting out there and you're being given a fee. There's also speak for free where you sell something. There's joint ventures where you can partner with other speakers. There's pay to play. Pay to play, actually, to be honest with you, is my very favorite because that's that's really, quite frankly, where you can you can really make some advantages. And I'll talk about that in a minute. And then the last is to simply organize your own events. And a lot of speakers are doing that. The problem is, is they don't really have the experience to do it in such a capacity that they'll they'll generate a lot of money from it, right? So, um, you know, you're speaking uh, quite prolifically, um, you know, now here in 2017. Uh, what are some of the ways that have worked the best for you, Doug? Well, I think the number one thing that I did is um, obviously I, I capitalized on my talents and my relationships. Uh, one of the things I'm also known for is I'm the creator of three of the top ten personal development movies 
uh, that are out there. In fact, for my first film, The Opus, it goes The Secret, What the Bleep, and then The Opus. And I think the reason why those films were so successful, uh, number one, is because I leveraged the relationships I had. And in fact, in all of my movies, there's very well-known speakers, everybody from Bob Proctor to Jack Canfield to you name it. So I learned how to leverage those, those connections. And then the second thing that really put me on the map is I actually did seriously invest in my career while other speakers are out there building a website or brochures or whatever my first movie actually cost close to a million dollars to make and um, because of that you know people took us seriously when we came out of the gate and it really opened doors for me so one of the things I would encourage speakers to do is to don't be shy to invest I mean if you are committed to becoming a speaker if you're really committed to getting out there and positioning yourself as a thought leader you've really got to put your money where your mouth is and it's not enough to just hope that people are going to spread the the word on who you are word of mouth you really need to invest in the best materials to demonstrate who you are it, it, it's kind of that old adage that if you've got an inferior product and it's painted to look successful generally people will buy it but if you've got a superior product and you don't do anything with it you're still unnoticed, right? Now, can you imagine if you're a speaker and you have great content and you've got something superior, if you will just now marry that superior marketing to it, you'll blow people out of the water. But the problem is I think that for most speakers, they've got great content, but they remain obscure and invisible and no one ever hears about them. I mean, uh, you're, you're doing like uh, obviously interviews a lot. I've seen you in several different media outlets, everything from Forbes to CNN to NBC to, you know, our podcast, et cetera. So you've really figured out a way to get yourself out there. Um, yeah. Tell us about uh, what are your strategies to get yourself known? Because if you're not known, people aren't going to pay you. So how do you get right. yourself known? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of ways to do it. Uh, obviously, I, ha I have a publicist that works for me directly, but um, there's, I guess, how much time have you got in this podcast? Because there's a lot of really cool tips that, that, I, that I have that I use. In fact, in, in our training, we do one module entirely that is dedicated how to celebritize yourself through the use of media. Media, I think, is probably the number one way to build credibility, just because, again, uh, you're a speaker, so you're in the business of one-to-many, right? The problem with most of us is we're satisfied to be one to many and many is a, a, a room of 30 people. Well, it was estimated my last CNN appearance had close to 4 million people watching, right? So you've really got to start looking for the ways to multiply who you are. I love Facebook Live is a great opportunity that most speakers are overlooking right now because, you know, if, if you get, let's just say, even five, 600 views on a Facebook Live, that means your audience was five or 600 people. But most speakers are thinking, well, I don't know if I've got a message to share there. I don't know if I'm polished enough to be there. I don't know how the technology works. Well, it's time to learn it. If you can every single day of your life get 500 people, even if they're the same 500, you're building a relationship. And those relationships are really important to find those that really resonate with you because those are who your customers are going to be. You see, again, back to this idea of so many speakers are looking for speaking gigs. They're not looking for profitable speaking gigs. To me, profitable means, first of all, finding those that resonate with you right because once you have those that resonate with you they will become transactional with you right so rather than trying to, to, to reach everybody forget everybody just find those that really do click and are prepared to become transactional with you then that will give you the power and now as far as media um, there's real advantages if you can get media like I said I hired a publicist and right now I'm doing you know television appearances and radio all over the place um, but what I found is that's really a big advantage because now when there's say five speakers that are looking to speak at someone's event and all of a sudden I hand in clips 
from Fox, Fox Business, CNN, CTV, CBC, all these things, who do you think gets the speaking gig? Well, I do, right? So recognize that it really is important to get that media. And one of the other things too, I'll just maybe mention in passing is there's a lot of people with podcasts like yours and, and a lot of you know online magazines and stuff like that. Don't be afraid to reach out to those people and offer yourself as a resource because many times they're looking for guests and um, it's kind of funny. I remember I was sitting with Jack Canfield one time and they read my bio at the beginning of this event and I turned to Jack and I was like, I'm a little bit embarrassed. It sounds kind of like I'm bragging. And he said to me, basically, you know, if it's true, it's not bragging. You're just letting people know who you are. And if you're not going to do it, no one else will. And I think that's a big thing with speakers is they feel a little timid and shy, especially in Canada, like a lot of speakers in Canada. The United States, they don't have this problem as much. But in, in Canada, we kind of hold back and we feel a little apprehensive about really talking about our achievements, our goals, and our accomplishments, and the things that we're trying to do with, with outsiders. But the truth of the matter is if you're not going to share it, no one else will. So you've really got to understand how to play that game a little bit. It's marketing, right? It's marketing. Mm, yeah, no, no. And uh, you know when you're sharing it, it's not about you at the end of the day. It's about actually inspiring all the other people who you're yeah. sharing with them. Uh, you know, I, I share a little bit about my journey. Uh, you know, uh, like I, uh, I've been to 68 countries on six continents. Awesome. And people actually get blown away by that. They're like, wow. And I'm not bragging that I've been traveling that much. It's, uh, and then my real goal is to inspire others. Like, if I can do it, I, I'm not yeah. a multi I'm a middle class, you know, a person from Vancouver, BC, BC, Canada, ethnic minority. I'm married with three young kids, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a one-year-old. And if we're able to travel as a middle class family, I'm able to inspire others. So I feel that me sharing actually allows others to travel as well. So yeah. that's my two cents on the, the whole thing. Well, it's not right. Right. And, and here's the deal. Someone once told me you can be bold, meaning bragging or whatever you want to call it. You can be bold as long as you follow it up with value. You see, because if you're just bold and it's nothing but hot air, people are going to really say, oh, that guy's arrogant and he's a jerk. And you're going to find a lot more haters and people trying to discredit you and prove you wrong. But if you're bold, yet you're also providing value, people say, okay, I can see where that comes in. He's earned the right. I love it. It's kind of like what Bruce Lee said. And you know me, I'm a big Bruce Lee fan, right? Bruce Lee said that if I tell you that I'm, you know, that if I'm good, if I tell you I'm good, you'll say I'm bragging. But if I say that I am not, you'll tell me I'm lying, right? And so you, you really honestly have to earn the right to be bold, and that comes through value. Like one of the things I think a lot of speakers miss and neglect is how much behind-the-scenes effort it takes to become good, right? Like I said, I read 15 to 20 books every month minimum. Um, let me maybe put that into context here. I had one of my students and his wife out of Toronto uh, that I was doing some coaching with recently. Uh, his, his name's Paul. Her name's Tina. I won't give the last name, but Paul and Tina, if you're watching, you, you guys know the story. Um, so Paul is a serial entrepreneur. All the time he is trying new businesses, and he's got some that work well, some not so well, and some not at all, right? So, but his wife's frustrated because it seems like there's a lot of money that gets tied up into all these new activities, a lot of effort. He starts high and then <gasps> it sinks, right? So anyways, one day Paul says to me, I'm going to become a business coach. And right away, I could hear Tina go, oh, no, not another thing here. This is, ah, right? And so I gave Paul the same challenge that I give to anyone that wants to be a speaker. You need to spend an hour or more a day, every day, learning your content and developing it for your students, or you don't have what I call the privilege of the platform. You do not earn that. And so I basically said to Paul, for the next 30 days, if you cannot do that for every single day in the next 30 days, you shouldn't be a speaker or a coach. 
And you know what's interesting? To his credit, he did. And he's going to start coaching. But here's the thing is, you know, if you think about it, when, when people come in the room to look for a coach, like at a networking event, they don't come in and say, well, where's the losers I can give my money to? No, they want the expert. They want the very best that their money can buy. And so if you're not prepared to dedicate at least that hour a day to get there, you will never, ever make it. You know, it's kind of funny. Um, I was just thinking about my friend, John Martini, who some of you might know from The Secret. When we did our movie, The Gratitude Experiment, like I've had John in every one of my movies so far. He's just great. Um, and I'm going to be sharing the stage with him in London and South Africa in the next little while he'll too. He's just great. But one of the things that astounds me is we were doing this FAQ at the end of my movie premiere and this guy stood up in the audience and uh, first of all, I knew this was going to be trouble because he said, uh, I've got my master's in psychology from the university here. I've got a doctorate in philosophy philosophical studies from this university and you know whenever a guy starts by giving you a CV you know that there's something crazy coming so anyways I've got a question for John he says and then all of a sudden he asks this psychology question about you know Sigmund Freud's feelings on the id the ego the super ego and blah 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 and so obviously this guy was just trying to make himself look smart in front of the audience and he was trying to kind of put John on the spot now as soon as that happened, number one, I was thankful the question didn't come to me because I wouldn't know how to answer that. But John basically, to his credit, took that question and then rephrased it in such a way that the entire audience could participate. So now everyone was part of the conversation. Then he answered it in such a way that it was valuable to everyone. And then, of course, he asked that gentleman his thoughts on it, which caused that gentleman to stretch even further than he had prepared. So he'd taken this concept and just made it accessible and teaching a teaching tool to everyone. So anyways, afterwards when we were sitting together in the restaurant, I said to him, oh man, I'm so glad you got that question. How were you able to answer that? Like that was just crazy nuts. How were you able to do it? You know what he said? He said, I spend generally about three hours a day studying my subjects and so I am very well versed in the conversation that my students expect me to have. And I thought that that was so profound. And this is what I'm going to tell you as well is if you want to be a thought leader or someone who's considered an expert in your field, if top people are studying three hours, what are you doing every single day? And, and that includes holidays, weekends. That includes when you get on an airplane. You know, it's so funny. I, I got on an airplane recently with another speaker who's trying to become successful in the business. And you know what the first thing he did is he pulled out his gummy drop and then fell asleep. Well, I'm writing <laughs> books. I'm reading books beside him, right? Like I didn't get that. You've got time where you can focus on what you're doing, yet you'd give it up that easily. This is not a career for the faint-hearted, and work ethic is really a big part of this. And so if you're really looking to play at high levels, you can't squander you know, your time especially, but you really have to become an expert in everything that you're claiming to be, right? It's important. So, uh, Doug, uh, you know what I'm interested in is uh, some of your struggles and challenges because uh, sometimes on social media, you see the good stuff. Not just yeah. sometimes, but often you see the good stuff. But I know for sure the struggles as a speaker, I mean, time away from your wife, your, yeah. your kids, your grandkids, etc. cetera, um, stress, packing and packing. Uh, walk us through some of your struggles in your school well, career. I, I think um, you're right. There are struggles sometimes with, with family and balance. And then there's also sometimes even struggles with your students and, and misconceptions. Like one of the big challenges that I struggled with is I was trying to help some of my students. And, and this is online and I, I really am you know, trying to put this behind me. But I, I helped a group of my students a couple of years ago uh, by actually doing some investment strategy for them. And some of them did well, some of them lost money, and I wasn't licensed to do so, so they took advantage of that and reported me to securities. Now, I had the best of intention to help them, 
but it really created a massive thorn in my side and in fact it ended up costing me $130,000 as a fine. And so it was it was a big deal. But here's the deal, I own that, right? Like I will admit, I was not licensed, I was trying to help people and I overstepped my bounds. So I think that's a really big thing is um, a lot of speakers do try to be helpful. And, and the truth of the matter is, as many of our students, um, when something goes wrong, they try to put the blame on the teacher or the leader rather than accepting that responsibility themselves. And so I think that that's a, that's a really important thing because most of the people that are drawn to this industry as coaches and speakers are there because they want to support, they want to give, they want to help. But I think sometimes we really got to understand more carefully how to develop boundaries so that people have more personal accountability for the choices that they make, right? So I see that a lot, not just with me, I've seen a lot of speakers who've had uh, you know negative reviews online or things like this because their students are not taking personal accountability enough and they feel like it's the teacher who should be getting them their results. So be ready for that. If you're a speaker, it will happen to you one day. I don't know of any speaker who hasn't been blamed for someone else's inadequacies. Okay, so that's gonna happen. You gotta have a thick skin to know that people are are not all going to support and love you. Okay, so that's that's a big thing. Now, when we talk about family and and um, you know life balance, I think that that is an important thing too because you know I, I love my family more than anything, and I'm grateful for their support. But there are times, like for example, when I have to get on a plane, and I could be gone for four or five days without seeing them at all. Um, so that's why, thank goodness for technology, we get good at things like FaceTime and Skype and things like. So that's good, right? But it is still tough, right? It's really tough. And not just with my immediate family, but, you know, because um, I'm really connected to my extended family too. I've got three brothers and they've all got kids and we're all close. In fact, we hang out all the time. So for me to plan my schedule even six months in advance and then have them rush in with like a week later and say, well, are you coming to this birthday party that we're doing this night? Well, nobody told me six months ago this was going to be on the schedule. And so a lot of times I find that I do miss sometimes big family get-togethers, which is important to me. So obviously we try to balance that the best we can, but just keeping in mind that, you know, sometimes it's just hard to communicate with everybody to make those things happen. Now, one of the things that has worked for me, though, is um, for those of you who do follow me on Facebook, I I do a lot of posting with my family and, and stuff like this. So you know that when I'm at home, I'm actually not doing as much work as, as maybe some people are. You know, we get off to the amusement park, we go to the zoo, we go have all these fun times. And then when I'm out of uh, the country and I'm on an airplane or I'm in another city, I try to do a lot of work. That way I can be a lot more free when I get home. So it's, it's just really kind of finding a system that works for you. And by the way, one of the things that I'll also suggest is I've got a super awesome wife. And she understands my need that as I kind of get in these creative spurts where I've got to write something down or, or work on a new book or get on a phone or funny enough, I was just on the phone uh, with South Africa the other night at 1230 at night because of the time change. Well, she understands that and um, it, it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> I've got friends that have you know devoted themselves to staying single because they've been through a bad situation where they haven't had the support. I'm going to tell you it's possible, but you just have to make sure those clear expectations for both of you are up front. Uh, some great tips here, Doug. Uh, so I'm curious about your vision forward. You've been in the speaking career for like 15 years. You build up a portfolio of like, you know, 10 million plus uh, eight figures a year. What is your vision in the next few months, years and beyond for your life, for your family and for your business and speaking career? 
Well, obviously for family, uh, you know, family is first for me. So uh, I try and make sure that that area is sorted out and, and satisfied before any other area gets considered. Um, you know, I, I love my grandkids especially, and they're with us a lot of the time. So right now, in fact, uh, Marcus is just about to have a birthday on the 5th of August. He'll be turning four, and Desiree last week turned three. So they're at the age where I love to spend time with them. And for anybody who has kids, like I've got teenagers too, there comes a point where they don't want to spend time with you as much. <laughs> and so I'm trying to get the time where they love me in as much as possible now because there'll be a time when their friends maybe take priority or what have you. So I don't want to lose that time. Uh, as far as business goes, I'm always looking for how I can serve my clients. And again, for those of you that follow me, you notice that I'm always asking my clients the things about what they want to learn and how they're experiencing things and I'm engaging them. The, the, one of the big problems for many speakers is that they create what they think everyone should learn, right? And I call that a very ego-based product. That's why so many speakers have boxes of books in their garage because they've written their own idea of what people should learn. And so, and that's also true. You've heard about these speakers that say, oh, I'm going to do a, a book. So I'm going to go lock myself in a hotel room or on a beach somewhere and I'm just going to write my book by myself. That's why you're not successful because the truth of the matter is, is if someone else is going to buy your book, you're, meaning your customers or clients, you should involve them in the writing of the book, right? Okay. So I, whenever I'm doing these kind of things, whether it's a seminar that I'm creating or whether it's a, a book or, or whatever it is. I'm involving my customers as much as I can because ultimately um, a speaking business is not a monologue. A speaking business is a conversation. And until you figure that out, you're always going to be sort of secondary to some of the top thought leaders that are out there. In fact, my newest book, which is coming out in September, is called Learn to Sell or Die. Okay, because I believe in the importance of sales. If you don't know how to sell, uh, sell, you're gonna have problems. What do they say about a business? If you don't make a profit, you don't make, you don't get the privilege, <laughs> right? If you don't make the profit, you don't get the privilege. So sales is super important. But here's the deal: I don't just want to write a sales book on my experiences of selling. I want to know what people want to learn about selling. What are they struggling with? Maybe some of the things I'm sharing are either you know way way below their skill level, and I'm giving them some elementary stuff that will make me a basic kind of speaker, or maybe I'm sharing stuff that I think is important that is actually way off in la la land. So I want to have the conversation to approach my my ideal people that resonate with me where they are and with what they want to know. And I think that that's an imp important thing. Now, where's the future of my business going? Um, we just recently signed a deal to do five more movies over the next four years. So I'll be doing several more movies. Not all of them will be um, kind of the, the traditional personal development approach that you've seen with some of our movies. So there'll be some, some variations on that, but there will be some stuff that uh, is similar to what we've done. Okay, Because, I mean, we're good at that. We like that, right? We figured out how to make that work for us. Um, I'll continue speaking all around the globe, and I do joint ventures with a lot of top speakers in the world. In fact, if there's viewers here that are uh, watching that they want to grow their speaking business, reach out to me because I'm also always looking for speakers that want to get to that next level. And, and I've got room on my stages, and I've got room in our projects to do that. Um, what else can I tell you about the future? I think here's the deal. My best is yet to come, right? Um, because I'm always looking for ways to improve that and, uh, and to be of service, and so I'm I guess the way to sum it up is you ain't seen nothing yet, <laughs> right? Love it, love it, love it, love it. Uh, so you haven't seen nothing yet, and the best is yet to come. Uh, so, Doug, if people wanted to connect with you, uh, you know, pick your brain, get some of your resources, uh, you know, maybe join venture on speaking, et cetera, how can they do that? What is your website and different ways that people can connect you with? 
Yeah, the best is to go to probably through my website, which is douglasvermeeren.com. I'm sure you're probably going to somewhere put how to spell my last name. douglasvermeeren.com is the best. Another uh, resource to really connect with me is through Facebook or LinkedIn. Facebook especially, we engage a lot there. It seems like LinkedIn isn't as engaging as Facebook for a lot of people. Maybe it's the, you know, the videos there or whatever. But um, I, I do spend quite a bit of time responding and talking to people directly on Facebook. And so, um, you know, if you're looking to dial in and become part of our community and our conversations, that's probably the A number one place to go. Awesome. Well, hey, thank, thanks so much for your time here. Some great insights into speaking and, uh, you know, just a, a lot of, lot of wisdom here on the interview today. Thank you, okay. Doug. Well, it's fun to be with you. And Ricky, I love what you do. So keep up the good work. And you know me, I'm a big fan. So uh, happy that I could be part of this. Thanks, Doug. And I'm a big fan of you, yours as well. Uh, so thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. And make sure you connect with Doug. Uh, you know, his website's Doug Berberin. And I'll actually have the link below. If you're watching this on YouTube, it'll be right in the YouTube description. If you're listening on iTunes, it'll actually be on the show notes. And connect with Doug on Facebook, like you said, and also on LinkedIn, the other social media. He actually does some amazing Facebook Lives. Uh, during his, his travels and uh, just uh, you know sharing about his family and I love that about Doug that he puts family first business second and you know he's got his priorities right uh, so thanks Doug and we'll catch up with you soon my friend thanks again thanks everyone for tuning into this episode make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube and uh, you know leave us a rating review on iTunes as well and also we actually have a Facebook group it's active and engaged it's called Digital Nomad Mastery Community. Uh, so if you want to connect with some of the other guests who are on the show, or if you just have any questions about how to become a speaker, how to make money online, uh, you know, definitely connect with us in that group as well. So thanks, everyone. We'll catch you in the next episode of Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world.